Hey, sweet friends, this is Andrea, and I'm your host for Inspire on the Go. I'm excited about the chance to talk about life, ministry, and our relationship with Jesus. I can't wait to see what God has in store. So grab a cup of coffee and join the conversation. Hey, everybody, hope you're doing really well. Wow, it seems like it's been a few days since I said hello to you. I hope that this message finds you doing really well. Um, It's good to be alive. It's good to be with you. It's good to be um, in this study. This study is blessing me so much. I'm right in the middle of it with you. Uh, It's so fun to see God literally leading us and putting every bit of it together. So I hope that you've had a chance maybe to go back and look at the five finished works of Jesus. Um, Wow, that was just really helpful to me as I was thinking back through those five finished works, you know, that Jesus was um, incarnate that he was crucified, that he was raised, that he was ascended, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and just kind of the landmarks that that gives us in Jesus's life and ministry. And so um, if you didn't get a chance to watch that video, I encourage you to go back and to watch that. Um, On the homework part of that, I know it's a little bit deconstructed, and so it kind of put the pressure or the obligation or the opportunity on you to go in and dig out those truths. And so for those of you who did, that's great. And for those of you who want to just hang tight on that exercise, that's great as well. So um, Lord willing, all of this will be published in a book and in a format where you can actually access the material in a little more um, efficient way. And so thanks for walking with me through this process. It's a joy. It is such a joy. So we're looking at the life and ministry of Jesus and the timing of all of this just can't be lost on us that um, where we are in our life, in our study, um, in our calendar year with Easter being celebrated this past weekend, we know and believe that God is up to something. And so uh, that always encourages me. And we should see God in the small details of life. Uh, He is in the big and we love it when he's in the big, but he's in the small too. And so the little details actually are so personal to me. It's like he reminds us, I see you, I know you, I'm with you, I'm leading you, I'm guiding you. And so um, we're grateful for that. What I really hope to do this week, and it's just so on my heart, um, is just to share with you kind of that transition that we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, to, you know, nullify the law. He came to fulfill the law. And so we need to do a little bit of digging into the concept of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant in order to understand that. Because what we see that Jesus was doing was he was teaching the people in his day and conversely us in our day, that he was doing a new work. He was doing a new thing and he was taking away a heart of stone and giving them a heart of flesh. And what I just love about this teaching is that it's so intimate, it's so personal, it is so near. If there's anything that I've been reminded of in this season of uncertainty is that Jesus is present, that he is active, and that he is near. He's right in the middle of this with us. And so whenever he came onto the scene in the New Testament, he was really kind of doing a 180 um, for the, the leaders and for the Jewish people of that day. So let me do a little bit of backtrack in the Old Testament, and then we'll catch up with where we are in our study. Uh, you know that in in the Old Testament, God gave the law. 
and he gave it to Moses, and it came in the form of the Ten Commandments. And that can be called a couple of different things. It can be the Old Covenant. It can be the Mosaic Law. Um, and basically, the law was um, just such a provision from God uh, in that he was teaching the people the importance of a vertical relationship and horizontal relationships because uh, some of the laws dealt with uh, the vertical relationship with God, and then some of the laws dealt with the horizontal relationships with each other. So even through giving the law, it was such a beautiful evidence of his grace. Um, he was teaching the people, God's chosen people, the Israelites, how to live. He was giving them structure. He was giving them guidance. And if you remember the story, and I think we've talked a little bit about it, um, what he was doing is whenever they came out of Egyptian captivity and he was taking them to the promised land, he was teaching them how to live together as a people. And the first step in that was a set of commandments or laws uh, that would um, establish order and would establish um, priorities and principles and rules and regulations. Along with that, because the people could not keep the law, was a sacrificial system. And in the sacrificial system, uh, there was the killing of an animal uh, by the priest in order to um, seek forgiveness for God's people. And so it was um, it was a process whereby the priest would cleanse himself and he would go in and he would make atonement or um, uh, seek forgiveness from God on behalf of the people. So then you fast forward to the New Testament and what we see is that Jesus now becomes that sacrificial lamb. And through the process of going to the cross, he becomes our high priest. He becomes our mediator between God and man. And he pays the, the, the price by the shedding of his blood and thus fulfills the law. So in his ministry days leading up to the cross, He's teaching the people about a new way of life, a new way of thinking. Um, and, and in a sense, he wasn't doing away with the old. No, he was coming to build upon it. I think that that's a great way to look at it. He was actually fulfilling it. He was making it complete. And anytime you see the word complete in uh, the New Testament, it can be used interchangeably with the word perfect. Those two words are used interchangeably uh, when you go back and you look at the original language. Jesus was completing the law in his perfection, he was able to do that because he was without sin. In the Old Testament, now this is what I love about the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And like when we understand the difference in the two, it helps us to understand God, it helps us to understand his story, and it helps us to make proper application of God's story to our everyday lives. And so in the Old Testament, you see all of these things that were outside and physical. Let me give you a few examples. Um, you saw that God led the children of Israel, God's chosen people, by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That was something that they could see. That was something that they could um, take note of. Another thing that he did was he took them to a promised land. Again, it was full of milk and honey. It was a place of real estate. It was a place where they could stake down their lives. It was tangible. It was 
physical. It was seen. It was touched. It was experienced. Uh, and so there's these different things, you know, like, for example, the the um, dove or the lamb or the goat or the calf or whatever was sacrificed in the sacrificial system that was outside and physical that would ultimately be fulfilled through Christ, which would be inside and eternal. And so that's the big shift that we see in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament, oftentimes God expressed himself taught through outside, physical, tangible places or experiences. Whereas Jesus was coming to say, I'm completing this process and it's going to be inside and it's going to be eternal. Now in the Old Testament, we know that people expressed faith in God and that they were um, credited as right before God based on their faith. Abraham is a perfect example of that. He believed God and it was credit to, credited to him as righteousness. And so it's not to say that there wasn't faith or righteousness or relationship with God in the Old Testament, but it is to say that there was a change, that there was a difference, that there was a succinct transition in the New Testament as Jesus comes to take that which was outside and physical and to plant it inside of us through the work of the Holy Spirit, through this changed and transformed heart where it is um experienced in such a real way that's no longer easily seen or easily touched, but rather easily demonstrated through a surrendered life, a full life, a free life, an abundant life, um, a life that's been radically changed and is indwelt and empowered by the Spirit of God. And so we live on the New Testament side of the cross. We live uh, on the side of the cross where we are under the new covenant, which is a covenant of love, it's a covenant of grace, and it's a covenant of faith. And so it's so important for us to understand that. It's so important for us to um, be able to wrestle with that because here's what we are able to do. We're able to appropriately see God's story unfold and to understand that everything in the Old Testament was driving to this poignant moment whenever Jesus would die on that cross and that he would uh, rise again and that he would ascend to the right hand of the Father where he would be seated so that the Holy Spirit would come so that our heart of stone would be changed into a heart of flesh. And how that is often introduced or described to us is this concept of the upside down kingdom. Jesus was turning everything upside down. He was turning everything around and he was pointing his believers in a new direction. First, obviously, he took that message to the Jews, um, to God's chosen people. And ultimately, as a people, they rejected that message because I think, and this is where I want to be so tender, like obviously the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, the plan of God, there's so much of that that, that we have to just say, that's what a lot of that was, the free will of man. I mean, there was a lot of things that go into play there, but they had been so inundated in this sacrificial system and in this tangible here and now kind of reality that it seems to me as we see the story of grace and transformation unfold, they just didn't go there. Like the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, they were a group of people that Jesus continually had um, just really difficult and strong conversations with. And it all came down to this point that we're talking about in today's session, which was the Pharisees focused on things that were outside and physical, and they wanted transformation to come through that. And Jesus is saying, no, 
wash the inside of the cup. No, you you take you you embrace the change inside and watch it come out. And so the upside down kingdom is all about understanding that Jesus's way of teaching, his way of life, his value system, um, his heart was completely different than the temporary teachings of this world. If you had time to look at your um, homework from yesterday in Matthew chapter five, where we looked at the Beatitudes, and then we looked at a passage about loving our enemies, uh, you will see and you will feel the tension of the upside down kingdom. And one thing that we see repeated time and time again in Matthew chapter five is this phrase that says, you have heard, but I say to you, and so, again, Jesus was confronting this kind of Old Testament, Old Covenant way of thinking that was about rules, regulations, do's and don'ts, and more of a checklist than a radical transformation, um, just that was based on love and faith and grace. And so, as we kind of nail down the teachings of Jesus, and as we nail down the heart of Jesus, it is appropriate for us to come back to this place of going okay, I've got to ask myself the question, am I really embracing internally in my heart of hearts, in the deep places of my life, in the deep spaces of my life, a true call to transformation that leads to a heart of flesh that is driven by tenderness and love and that becomes an expression of my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Because as New Testament believers, that's what it's all about for us. That's 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 the heart of the gospel. It is a, a message of reconciliation. It is a message of peace. It is a message of hope. It is a message of love. And it matters greatly how we embrace that and how we demonstrate that. And so today I thought we would do a couple of different things. And the first is that I took some time today to really look over the Beatitudes because I'm right here in this with you. And what I did with the Beatitudes is that I went back to that list in Matthew chapter five and I did some word studies on each of the different words. And I really asked the question, what did it mean in its original context? And then what does it mean as applied to my life today? A couple of things from Matthew chapter five. The first thing is this, that the word blessed that we see over and over and over again in Matthew chapter five is this concept of being fully satisfied. So here's the deal. And this is where I just want to get so close. Like I just want to get so close because this is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of the upside down message. This is the heart of it for us. And, and it's the fact that God's word and his work is good. It's always good. It never leaves us in a less than kind of position. It leads us to a fully satisfied place. Why? Because we were created by God for God. And ultimately, we find our satisfaction through God. Now, our sin nature, which we continue to struggle with, even after our salvation experience, it is real and it's constantly pulling us back to the temporary things of this world. But if we will dig in and if we will surrender and if we will submit and if we will pray and ask the Lord to take any part of our heart that is a stone, that is 
hard because of sin or pride or arrogance or self-reliance or self-will and to take that heart of stone and to transition it and to change it and to mold it into a heart of flesh that is full of tenderness and love and obedience and faith, then we will experience what it means to be blessed, which is to be fully satisfied. So we have to understand what blessed means. It's not the concept of being happy. It's the concept of being satisfied. It's the concept of being filled to the overflow with God's peace and his hope and his power and his direction. And nothing, nothing will settle us more during uncertain times than surrendering to the word of God and the work of God and saying, Lord, not my will, not my way, but your will, your way. And through that, there is a satisfaction that is so real and so deep and so just intimate and personal that we're able to see God in the small things of life. And so we see that the word blessed is fully satisfied. This word blessed is also the concept of having joy that comes from our salvation that is a result of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the transformation of Christ in our life. So that's an important part of this definition of blessed because it focuses us not on the things that are outside and temporary or tangible, like in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, but rather in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, which is those things that are eternal and spiritual and have their ultimate fulfillment in the kingdom of heaven. Um, Jesus talked about the kingdom so many times, um, but the kingdom of heaven was this concept that that we as believers in Jesus Christ, we're not created for this world and we're not created to live for this world and we're not created to find our satisfaction in this world, but rather we're called to live with our eyes focused on a on a prize, on a, on a grand prize. And that is a prize that is ultimately experienced in our eternal home. And so the kingdom is this concept that God has rule and that he has reign and that he has a plan and a purpose that is much bigger than our little bitty time here on this earth. And so to be blessed in, in God's upside down kingdom is to be fully satisfied and indwelt by Christ and have joy that comes from our salvation. And so that happens, according to Matthew 5, through the demonstration of these beatitudes, which I don't know about you. I find them to be counterculture. I, I find them to go against my sin nature. I find them to go against my desires. I find them to go against my flesh. And so we have to work out our salvation. Now, we don't work for our salvation. Our salvation is a gift from God. And we receive that by faith. But from the moment of our salvation, where we move from spiritual death to spiritual life, we um, experience this transformation where the heart of stone becomes a heart of flesh, which is tender, which is moldable, which is changeable, which is agreeable. In that moment, then we are driven by the things of God. And, and the way that we work that out is through faith and through obedience and through surrender. And so that is the heart of Jesus's gospel message. It is a, a message of peace and a message of hope and a message of transformation, but it is not, and I'm going to make a bold statement here, it is not a message of prosperity in this world. It's just not. It's not there. It is a message of real life change that is so much deeper 
than a prosperity kind of gospel that says you should get this or you should get that and that God's you know, goodness is based upon our bank account or our vehicle or our whatever fill in the blank. And so, so we've got to really look at Jesus. We've got to really look at the context of scripture and we've got to nail this down. So I thought I would walk through um, Matthew chapter five with you and just talk a little bit about these um, Beatitudes and what they look like in my life. I'm going to put them in the homework for today so you'll have a chance to maybe look and read and study them uh, a little closer. But the first is the poor in spirit. And the poor in spirit, this is a person who um, realizes that they're helpless. It's not someone who um, maybe is in a tough spot and in, in a spot where they can't help themselves, but it's someone who has the realization that they are absolutely helpless apart from God. And so as a result of that, there is a poorness in their spirit. And so my application for that was, I have to realize this is the upside down kingdom part. I can't do this life on my own and that I am weak. It's, it's true. Like we want to be strong leaders and we want to be, you know, the person who's Johnny on the spot with the answers and, and we want to, you know, be able to extend, you know, all this stuff to other people and we want to do these things for ourselves. But because I am a helpless person, because I am poor in spirit, then I realize that I am the one who is in need of help, which positions me for not only the gospel of Jesus Christ, but also for the indwelling and the fulfilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the next one is, um, blessed are those who mourn. And this is a person who is sorrowful about their sin and the sins of others. And so I have to be reminded of the fact in my upside down kingdom is that a lot of times this world tells me that I should have freedom to do whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, and however I want to do it. But the upside down concept is that freedom is Christ. Uh, freedom is surrender. Freedom is obedience. Freedom is um, the desire to say, yes, Lord, here am I, send me. So blessed are those who mourn. Uh, the next one is blessed are those who are meek. And this one means, it, this is the type of person who's willing to see themselves for themselves. So they're not trying to make themselves out to be something that they're not. They're willing to see themselves in their sinfulness and in their struggle and in their pride and in their insecurities and in all of the gaps that we have here on this earth. And so uh, blessed are the, the meek, blessed are those who have an, an inward honesty that is um, evidenced through a submission to God and to his word. And so for me, what that looks like is I'm not going to make more of myself uh, than, I, than I am. I'm, just, I'm not going to set myself up to portray myself as someone that I'm not. Uh, rather, I'm going to realize that I have struggles and that I have sin and that I have shortcomings. And so I want to be honest with myself and with others about that. Number four, blessed are those who hunger. This indicates a constant and recurrent satisfaction with God's righteousness. And so for me, I have to realize I don't have the answers. A lot of times I think, well, I should know how to navigate that. I should know how to answer that. I should know how to help someone in that. Um, but because I have a constant or hopefully need to have a re reoccurrent desire for the righteousness of God, which is number one, uh, the blood of Jesus applied to my life. But number two, the notion that God calls me to live rightly, 
I need him in order to tell me how to do that. I can't come up with that on my own. So bless are those who hunger. Uh, number five, blessed are the merciful. And this is the person who has a caring attitude for individuals who are in a place of misery. Like that was really strong for me. So like, how's my heart doing whenever somebody else is going through a difficulty, whenever they're going through a struggle, whenever they're going through a miserable situation? Like when I'm in myself, when I'm in my self-focus, I'm just maybe thinking, well, I'm just so glad that's not me. But when I'm in a Christ-focused, then I will have such compassion on that individual that I will desire to help them, that I will want to use all means necessary, not in my strength, not in my power, but in Christ. And so blessed are the merciful. Uh, another upside-down concept about the merciful is that I, I don't want to use somebody else's difficulty or struggle or trial in order to advance myself. And that just is like real upside down kingdom principle kind of stuff. Because um, especially in times like this, we see like we got to do whatever it takes to get ahead and we got to look out for number one. But the upside down principle that Jesus is saying is that we see people in their hurt and in their misery and in their difficulty and we want to help Help them in that, not fend for ourselves. And so uh, that is the merciful person. Uh, the ne next person is the person who is pure in heart. Blessed is the one who is pure in heart. And this is a situation that can only be acquired through an ongoing work of God in our life. It is a sanctification kind of work. And so pure in heart has an ongoing kind of attitude and an ongoing kind of means where it's like not just one and done, but it is a heart of compassion that gets up the next day and says, I'm going to do this sanctification work again and again and again. And so um, this is where I am reminded about the inside approach being way more important than the outside approach. The inside approach deals with the root struggle or sin and literally cuts it at its roots, whereas an outside approach just tries to treat the situation and so blessed are those who are pure in heart, that there is this constant desire to get in there in, when it comes to being like God and being transformed by God. The, the seventh one is blessed are the peacemakers. And this is, this is not just someone who stops the quarreling or stops the fighting or removes, removes themselves from the situation. I would have maybe thought that. But the peacemaker is the person who runs into the situation with the message of the gospel. So blessed is the person who's bringing the peace of God. Blessed is the person who's bringing the message of God. Blessed is the person who comes into the middle of the mess and is willing to be the salt and the light in the middle of that in a way that is tender and compassionate. So for me, uh, this was just the reminder that in the upside down kingdom, we have to be willing to step in the mess. Um, not go around the mess, not avoid the mess, not ignore the mess, but with healthy boundaries, step into the mess and be a part of the solution. And then the eighth one is blessed are those um, who are persecuted. And the concept of being persecuted is just whenever you're mistreated um, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my takeaway was, you know what? I need to make sure that I'm not focused on defending myself or my name um, because in the upside down kingdom, we realize that God's got us, that he has our back. And that as a result of that, 
we can stay focused on the blessed life that he's calling us to live, which is in many ways just a summary of all the different Beatitudes. And so uh, I'm going to put that in your homework for today just as a recap for yesterday's homework um, so you can see that and you can share in the comment section if you had any takeaways from that. But what I am praying that we will do this week, and uh, I'll come back to you and we'll continue to talk about this, is number one, understand that Jesus was not the doing away of the law. He was the fulfillment of the law. And he came to show us a new way of life. And it was a way that was full of tenderness and compassion. It was full of hope and love and peace. And the heart of stone being changed into the heart of flesh represents the fact that we've been so radically changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is a tenderness that resides in us that not only is so grateful to God for his work, but that is so just compassionate to others. And Jesus certainly demonstrated that as he stepped into difficult situations, always, always, always to help and to bring healing and hope. Um, so that's that's the heart of what we're going to talk about today. As you go to your homework, I want you to continue to look in Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to look at the fact um, that we are called to be salt and light. In the midst of the call to be salt and light, may we be so tender and so compassionate and so willing to meet people where they are, love them there, and not in any way try to change them. That is not our job, but rather serve them. So have a great day. Check out your instructions at the bottom of your homework, and then we'll talk about it in the comments section. So I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. I hope today's episode helps you embrace the full free abundant life that God provides. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe to Inspire on the Go. If you would like more encouragement to help you grow in your faith, visit my website at andrealennonministry.org. Come back next time and enjoy another episode of Inspire on the Go.